0: Hi, this is David Arkenstone. You're listening to the Your Morning Coffee podcast with my friends Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Weekly music news for the new music business. From music business worldwide, the three major music companies generated $1 billion more in the first half of 2023 versus the first half of 2022.
1: And from Berkeley Online... AI Music, What Musicians Need to Know.
0: And from Billboard's State of the Hot 100 Top 10 Mid-Year 2023 Report. Boy, we've got a lot of them, Jade. A lot of stuff to talk about. Sad passings this week. It's been a week. But we are ready to get going right about now.
2: Stand by for transmission.
3: This is London calling. Wake up! Your morning coffee is on the air, on the air, on the air, on the air, on the for the new music business it's the highly curated agitated advocated moderated and liberated digital music information that you need to know we are your digital music authority
0: see you, Jay, on a Saturday. Uh, good to see you, my friend. Yeah, I love that intro. What a what a fabulous intro.
1: Yeah, thank you, uh, David Arkenstone. Uh, for those who haven't uh, listened to David Arkenstone, I was introduced to him in the 80s. I was working for Universal, and we distributed a, a label called Nerada and put out some of his records and got to see him play live and uh, always been such a big big fan of uh, David Arkenstone.
0: Yep, he's a five-time Grammy nominee. Uh, He's got a new album coming out uh, September 13th with the first single out. Uh, It was released just this last Friday, The Icy Brook Finds Its Way. He also has an upcoming 16-date West Coast tour, over 80 studio albums.
1: Wow. Quite prolific. By the way, that song you just listened to is that The Icy Brook uh, Finds Its Way and one other thing about uh, David Arkenstone is that the I was reading this article about search terms for smart speakers, mm-hmm. and before the pandemic, it, the number one search term was chill, and then during the lockdown, it became children's music, for obvious reasons. I wonder if it's back to chill, but that's what I always thought about David Arkenstone is he's this multi-instrumentalist, super melodic um, just really cool stuff to listen to when you want to just chill. That's right. So, yeah. you know, he, uh, you know, he's also contributed music for World of Warcraft. Believe it or not, and uh, i have a special shout out to Bridget Sholan, uh, who was our uh, regional for Narada Records back in the uh, '80s. Uh, we're still friends today, <laughs> and. Uh, just a, a big fan of Narada and uh, and David Argenstein. Well, and you, well, he's not on Narada anymore. No, yes, but you know exactly. I
0: mean. Well, and you know, we talked about uh, the early days of SoundScan and the the. Some would say surprises. It wasn't necessarily a surprise if you work in a record store, but we talked about how country suddenly, you know, we had concrete numbers on country. And again, what that yeah. broad category of new age, uh, whatever that means, but, uh, you know, he was broadly in that category. And that was also an awareness when SoundScan hit of how successful these sort of instrumental and, and what we now call chill records they were huge; they sold a lot yeah. of records, and they sure did. I was working as a rep
1: in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we couldn 't keep those CDs in stock at Tower Records because you know with the Bay Area, a lot of you know very busy people of uh, um, affluent people mm-hmm. working hard, and they wanted something to chill out to when they uh, when they got home. Another article that really caught my eye this week because we 've been talking about band lab quite a bit in the last few weeks. Yeah. And the headline was Band Lab Advocates for Ethical AI in Music Creation at the AI4 Conference. Supports, I'm sorry, announces support for human artistry.
0: Campaign, and I thought that was uh, that was super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And as you you and I both know, BandLab's flagship namesake social music making app, which counts uh, well above sixty million registered users, offers offers a range of features for emerging creators, such as the cross platform digital audio workstation Studio, royalty free sample and loop service sounds, and the AI music generator tool Song Starter. A lot of amazing, that- powerful things in that.
1: Oh Man yeah. Man. It's a beast. You know, um, band lab is really reshaping the landscape. La- Let me try that one again. Band lab is really reshaping the landscape of music production and revolutionizing the way musicians create, collaborate, and share their art. And so that headline caught our attention. And I had a chance to sit down with their CEO, co-founder, Men Kwok, and I asked him about the news. Let's, let's listen in. Mang, so great to see you. How would you describe Band Lab to someone who may not be a music creator, maybe somebody from a label or an artist manager?
3: So so sometimes the way I describe Band Lab is a little bit like Facebook meets GarageBand Band meets uh SoundCloud, uh, Lambda, Splice—all the different things that you can do to actually make music, as well as share music and connect, and everything in between, in one place. You know, we have amazing respect for all these platforms, and we really believe that there is this opportunity to create a community of creators, and that really is what BandLab is. So, you know, if you think of the creation side, which is really what we're we're most notable for at this point in time, BandLab to GarageBand. Um, Or or tools, digital audio workstations and things like that are a bit more like Google Docs to Microsoft Word or Sheets to Excel or Canva to Photoshop or Miro to a traditional whiteboard. So something mobile, cloud-focused and and really easy to collaborate with. and, And that's the creation side of BandLab and the whole suite of tools around that.
1: Last week at the AI4 conference, you announced BandLab support for the human artistry campaign. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, well well, look, I think Again, we're very, very fortunate to be speaking a lot these days about AI, but you know, we aren't an AI company. I'd say we're we're very much first and foremost a music company for whom AI is just one of our tools and one of the things that we just think of as technology empowering creativity. Um, you know, one of our tools, Songstarter is is a is a you know an idea generator powered by AI, but really about empowering human creativity. It's you know it's called Songstarter not Songfinisher Finisher for a reason. And I think you know, part of the reason we we align with the human artistry campaign is very much because the core principles we care about at BandLab are really about empowering creators around the world, right? And and we believe that there's a world in which there are no barriers to music creation, um, and really breaking down these boundaries is the core vision of what what you know I, I co-founded BandLab for. And with that in mind, we really really care about ethical license use of AI because you know at the end of the day, it's hard enough already for a kid to go out there and try and put his music on Spotify and compete with not just his peers, but Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, the Rolling Stones, Nirvana, Johnny Cash, (laughs) right, B.B. King, Charlie Christian, Beethoven, Bach, everyone, the greatest legends of the generations before, let alone for this kid in a a township in South Africa, in Cape Town, competing with a billion virtual drakes, right? So um, this is why we care a lot about supporting Creator choice on whether they want to be protective of their rights or whether they want to be liberal. We think that's really Ultimately, where we're going to empower the next generation of creators and hopefully create a value unlock for the incumbents and the people who currently are creating or have created amazing music in the past.
1: Thank you, Ming. Continued success.
3: Thanks so much, Jay. Wow. I mean, it's, it is,
0: again, when you think about the, the power of having those tools and a handheld device as you're on the subway or you're walking down the street, I mean, it's all there. And it's, it's yeah. just crazy how well it works. It's unbelievable. Yeah,
1: it keeps getting better and better. Remember when we were younger and playing in bands and drum machines started taking off and we thought, wow, this is really cool. And then they had like little four-track uh, studios cassette, that you could have at home studios. and that changed. Yeah. yeah, it changed the demo process completely. And now it's evolved into like, you know, these digital audio workstations you know, and we talk about those a lot on, you know, on the show, but this is even down the road yeah. further because now you don't need to go into an expensive studio necessarily uh, um, early on. And you maybe don't know how to operate as Meng says, maybe you don't know how to operate even GarageBand, yeah. There still is, you know, this barrier to entry. Not everybody is tech
0: savvy right. like that. Not every creator but this really levels that playing yeah. field. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's miraculous and super cool. And like you were saying, you know, you don't necessarily need to have any level of tech competence or any necessarily mus, you know, what we would consider musical competence. Meaning, like you don't need to play an instrument or really even have much of a knowledge of how music is put together. It just has the tools there built in, and the next thing you know, you've yeah. cranked out a tune and. And I, and I it's
1: think amazing. that's a wonderful thing. I really do. And a couple of things really quickly. One is Meng showed me a video of this young creator being interviewed and he showed the interviewer how he could just create a song right there on the fly during the interview. Wow. That was stunning. The other thing you were mentioning to me is, you know, we were, we were talking about that uh, conference that he just came back from. It's called the AI Four conference we should go to
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. They have it. Uh, it was just just ended in Vegas, actually. Um, and I would really like to check that out next year. So we're going to put that in our calendars and try to make it out for that. Because uh, yeah. a lot of interesting things. Because, of course, this space is just, I mean, it's really hard to keep up. It is changing so quickly. And, you know. It is. I feel differently about it than I did sort of the Web3,
1: you know, NFT, mm-hmm. virtual worlds, DAOs, And I think that underlying technology, and I've said this all along, is going to be with us for a long time. I think it's solid. But I just think some of the execution wasn't good, wasn't fully baked. But I don't feel that about AI. People ask me sometimes, well, you know, isn't AI kind of the new Web3? And I I don't think so because it's been in our lives for so long already. And now it's just sort of taking leaps and bounds with things like chat GPT, and it's being uh, added to advertising platforms and just so many things that we use every day. So we'll
0: uh, we'll stay pretty close to this AI stuff, and we have another story we're going to talk about in a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and of course the confusion about AI, which is also part of the uh, understanding of it, is just there's so many different areas, so many different verticals, buckets that 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 you can. Yeah, the broad phrase just AI, yeah. it could mean so many things, and that's really part of the confusion I think that's out there. The part of the fear that's out there. I agree. And uh, yeah. I think when you kind of break it down, it's not fake Drake. You know, it's that that that's no. the that's the knee jerk reaction. Oh, I don't. You know, don't, but no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me show you yeah. this there's, and this.
1: Yeah, there's so much more yeah. to it. And the second story that we're covering today from Berkeley Online addresses. Some of that. But before we jump in the stories, anybody that listens to uh, our little show knows that we're big fans of music documentaries. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was some news this week about uh, documentaries. um, And there was also a really cool uh, piece that I want to walk through with you. The headline was uh, from searching for Sugar Man to Don't Look Back the 32 best rock documentaries ever made. And, and as soon as I saw this, I thought of you and I sent it to you. And there's two, before we jump into that, there's two documentaries that a friend of mine, um, Elliot saw and said, were really good that are, um, one just came out in July and the other one comes out in September. The first one is reinventing Elvis, mm-hmm. the 68 comeback. Um, that one, I can't wait to see that's out. And then one that's airing on CNN uh, September 4th is Little Richard, I Am Everything. And I don't think everybody knows how
0: influential... Little Richard has been for the when you look at the history of rock and roll, he is an early first chapter in terms of his importance and his legacy and all of that stuff. And, yeah, I've seen the trailer for that documentary and I can hardly wait to see it. And, you know, all the way when you but again, that was such an era that was so well before our interest in music you know a lot of these pioneers sometimes just get forgotten and or they don't make the leap necessarily or they're not played on classic rock radio or whatever and uh i think that's the beauty of some of these music documentaries is it fills in the gaps of of your knowledge depending on your age you know because you, it's just it was just hard to to you know, I mean little Richard hit in the fifties, you know, well before our birth. Yeah. So, you know, right, why why right. would we other than, you know, certainly early Beatles were super influenced by them. But but again, that was when we were, you know, just barely born. And so it's easy to not know about some of these pioneers, but the beauty of that. And the 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 Elvis Comeback special, I actually went to a, a showing of that with Steve Bender, who who was the, the, the main guy in this documentary. He was the he was oh, the yeah. guy for the show. Uh-huh. And boy, he had just a yes. fascinating Stories. I'm sure he's there. They're going to be in this documentary. That's going to be a wonderful one. And then, yeah, uh, I, yeah there's just, just so many great ones coming out. I'm, I'm, you know, there's not enough hours in the day to catch up with all of them.
1: Right. And before we jump into some of the ones that they list as you know the very best ones ever made, you and I saw a screening of this uh, documentary called Immediate Family. Mm-hmm. You know, Denny Tedesco's follow-up to uh, Wrecking Crew, and, and that documentary has. Uh, Appearances by Carol King, James Taylor, Linda Ronstadt, David Crosby, Jackson Brown, Lyle Lovett, Keith Richards, Don Henley, Stevie Nicks, Phil Collins. It's absolutely incredible. And if you don't know who Immediate Family is, um, it's a super group of uh, basically artists that were on everything from Carol King's Tapestry to all of those uh, albums uh, by artists that I just mentioned. The band is Danny Korchmar, Leland Sklar, Waddy Wachtel. Russ Kunkel and Steve Postel, oh, yeah. so um, that is coming out. We got to see a screening, thankfully. Um, but let's talk about some of these from Yahoo. Um, one of them, I think you, the first one you told me about, but I
0: haven't seen yet, and that's about the the band Wham. Yeah, which is great. Boy, if you haven't seen it, and that is on Netflix, I believe. By the way, one of the things about documentaries that's hard to cuz when you tell people about a give a certain documentary the first thing they say is well where is it and right it, it changes <laughs> You got to look it up. Maybe <laughs> I saw Google it in it. Netflix. It may not be on Netflix anymore. You know, these these, these have finite contractual windows, and so they sometimes bounce around. You may have to to rent them. But I think uh, I want to say that the 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 Wham one was actually a Netflix production, so you will find that one there. And again, just a great story, and it I, it's worth the time. It'll put a smile on your face because. You know, you, for, you. I certainly imagine, you know, I remember sort of later period George Michael and to see him as that little teenage pop star, it's fantastic. It's really, really good. But, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I looked at these and there's a lot of the ones I have, a lot of documentaries I haven't seen. And so.
1: Oh, I printed this yeah. thing out. I'm going to, yeah. I highlighted a bunch of them that I didn't even know were out there. Before we move on from Wham!, I think you had mentioned when you saw it that, uh, people don't know the whole story that Andrew Ridgely was really more involved in that duo uh, than most people.
0: Yeah. Think. You know, not only creatively, but just sort of, you know, in terms of support, you know, he really gave George, uh, I, I guess George kind of struggled with, with, uh, you know, with, with, kind of self-confidence and things like that. And he was really kind of pushing him out there and was actually very much ready for Wham to, to end and, and for George to take over his solo career. And, uh, Andrew comes across as a pretty magnanimous guy in that documentary, but it's really well done. And, and it's 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 a lot of footage from the area from the era. And, you know, they were they were big in the States, but they were huge in the UK. And so, you know, you kind of get yeah. a a little bit of a perspective of what was gone, going on over there and how big and huge they were. And, of course, some backstories of just the business side of things, how they got signed and all that stuff. It's a really great movie. Yeah. So highly recommend. Yeah. It. yeah. I will definitely
1: watch that one. One that they list here that I have seen, which is absolutely amazing, uh, highly recommended. From 2002, "Standing in the Shadows of Motown." Oh, yeah. Did you ever see it's that? It.
0: It's fantastic. It is so great, and uh, highly recommended. You know, you really get again. So many of those guys were just their names weren't even on the records. And I, I've I've read a report or not a report, something where Paul McCartney was talking about. Uh, you know, trying to figure out who those guys were, they heard those Motown songs and go, "Who the hell is playing that?" And in the case of the bass player James Jamerson, uh, you know, it was really hard to find out who they were. And so, they 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 uh, they got a really great sort of a, uh, a recognition from from an from an era when they were completely invisible to the average listener. So it's a great one, yeah. really a great one. And of course, we lost uh, Rod- Rodriguez, the, the the gentleman that was in. Uh, uh, um, Searching for Sugar Man. And that's also on this list, which we both loved. Uh, and I got to say, I have not seen their number one, which they, they say is the best music documentary, Moon Age Daydream, which just came out last year. It's the David Bowie one. I do want to see that. Uh, and of course, they mentioned The Last Waltz in here as well. The the, the band one with, with Robbie Robertson's passing this last week. Uh, I'm going to go back and revisit that one because that is a fantastic documentary as well. There's just so many of them.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a couple that I would recommend to. Um, coming in at number 20 on this list is Anvil, the story of Anvil. I haven't seen that, that one. In 2008. Not only is it fun to watch, um, it's like Spinal Tap, but in real life, not really. Um, it's really great, but it really sort of revived their career. Um, after that, but it's one of those that again, I was never a huge Anvil fan, but with a lot of these documentaries, I will watch a documentary about a band I've never heard yes. before because I just love seeing how the sausage is made. I love you know the behind the scenes, you know sort of things in these things. But uh, were there any in here that you had seen that you you think are really good? Yeah,
0: they they also mentioned the uh, well, of course, uh, the George Harrison one, Living in the Material World, which gosh, I can't believe it that came out more than 10 years ago. My goodness. that, that Wow, really, really? That came out in 2011. Uh, and Martin Scorsese directed that. And so that's a wow. really great one, a really great tribute to George. And that was just fantastic. Also, Marley, which again, that came out more than 10 years ago, the Bob Marley documentary. That is wonderful and fantastic. I haven't seen oh. that
1: one yet. I, I definitely want to see that. They they have the, the Beatles get back, which you and I talk about. I mean, the later one from 2021 by uh, Peter Jackson mm-hmm. that's on here. That's another one that I have seen. And I, I highly recommend, but I uh, highlighted that George Harrison living in the material world. Um, I, I haven't seen that yet. I'm, I'm really looking oh, forward oh, to it. It's really, really good.
0: Really, really, really good. Uh, <laughs> I, and Buena Vista Social Club, that came out almost 25 years ago. That's another great one, seeing it with all the Cuban musicians. Oh, great, great documentary. So, I mean, there's just
1: yeah, tons of And remember the one um, that you and I talked about when it came out on the show, that Summer of Soul? Mm. It, it's just magic. magic. I can't believe they've had all that footage yeah. and stored away somewhere some of the greatest artists of all time, you know, Stevie wonder, BB King, Nina Simone. And it's just so amazing. The sound is good. The the film is good. It, it was such, it was like finding treasure. It, it is.
0: And you know, and again, it's amazing when, when these documentary filmmakers, they really go to town and find, you know, a lot of, I mean, with YouTube now you can see a lot of stuff that you never ever were able to see, but even in, in a lot of these documentaries, they go deep. They find a lot of footage that, that nobody has ever seen before. And that just makes it so interesting. Yeah. But again, you know, it's it is uh, it fills in blanks of, of knowledge, you know? It's like who knew about this stuff? And there's so many stories to tell. And yeah, it's exciting. It's so funny when I meet people that they typically
1: mention when they talk about the show, Hey, you know, I, I heard you guys talking about documentaries. Have you seen this yes. one? And I would put that out there for anybody who's listening right now. If you have a documentary that's not in that piece or one that you really like, please reach out to us. Um, we would love to do that. We're going to jump into our stories in a moment, but, uh, first let's thank our sponsors starting with, um, Banzoogle. The Your Morning Coffee podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform. It makes it really easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in. Hosting, custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, Tools to help you sell your music and merch, commission-free, that's key, commission-free crowdfunding, fan subscription features, mailing list tools, help you grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support, which is really good, by the way, I've used it, live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word. That'll get you 15% off... Uh, your first year of
0: any subscription. That's Banzoogle.com. promo code Morning Coffee. Indeed, we are also sponsored by Hypebot since 2004. Hypebot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. Hypebot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by Live Music Discovery and Marketing Platform Bands in Town. Uh,
1: yes. Bands in Town, new numbers. Over 80 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist services platform, connecting over 590,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access
0: their own dashboard to
1: manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms.
0: Indeed, and big thanks to the Music Business Association. The Music Business Association creates the rooms in which the important conversations that shape our industry's future take place. Our membership represents every major segment of the global music business, including labels and distributors, music streaming, retail and wholesale publishers and PROs, rights management and metadata, artist managers, tech and startups, lots of great stuff. Do uh, do visit musicbiz.org for more information. So big thanks, Zugo, Hypebot. Fans in town and the Music Business Association, we are eternally grateful, and I get to hang out with my good buddy of almost 25 years, other than Jay (laughs) Gilbert. He's a music industry consultant. He's the curator of the weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, and Warner Music Groups. Yes, sir. And
1: I get to do this show each week with Mike Etchart, longtime host of Sound & Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, capital EMI, and Universal Music Group. And I will say this, if we didn't have this podcast we'd still be
0: getting on the phone or going to have a cheeseburger <laughs> right. or whatever to talk about this stuff because we just love it. Absolutely, and we love to catch up and see what's going on. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's never a dull moment. And uh, yeah, we, we've, we've managed to just extend those conversations and create a podcast. So we appreciate people listening in because it's, uh, we love just chatting about this stuff. And uh, yeah. there's always more things to talk about. And when Jay and I get on, before we even record, the first thing is we review our week. Yeah, what exciting things have gone on in the week. So uh, oh it's, it's a treat to get and to do It's been this. a week. It's been a week. Well, there you go. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's kind of break it down and start talking about some of the stories, Jay. All right, all right. Yeah, so our first this... story... Well, go ahead. Yeah, am I interrupting? Uh, yeah. No, go, we're, we're like stepping on each other. We both want to jump into this. You go right all ahead. All right, the first one is from our good friends over at Music Business Worldwide. The three major music companies generated a billion more... Dollars that is in the first half of 2023 versus the first half of 2022. So I would, that's a lot of money. That's a lot uh, of money. I would imagine there holy are some cow. Folks in the buildings a, a over there. A
1: billion dollars yeah. more. um By the way, this story was written by Tim Ingham. And if you listen to this program, you know that we're huge fans of Tim Ingham, uh, Music Business Worldwide, their podcasts, uh, just a, a class organization over there, and we learned so much. Uh, from Tim and his team, and uh, he just mentions that they they've been crunching a veritable mountain o numbers, mountain o numbers uh, last week. Yes, mountain o numbers. That's because in the past week they saw two major music companies, Warner Music Group and Sony Music Group, they posted their calendar Q two revenue profitability figures for investors. I mean, Sony did too uh, last week via its Japanese parent Sony Group Corporate.
0: Yes, these results followed the equivalent calendar Q2 numbers from publicly traded Universal Music Group, the world's largest music rights holder, which it reported to the Amsterdam Euronext late last month. Uh, all, the, all of this, by the way, it just means that combined with previously reported calendar Q1 figures from UMG, Sony, and WMG, uh, the people over at uh, Music business. Worldwide have managed to kind of crunch a lot of this stuff, and what have they mm-hmm. discovered? They said, "Well, for starters, there's of course the headline above the mu- the three majors uh, across uh, glo- across recorded music publishing and other income streams jointly generated uh, in U.S. dollars twelve point nine nine billion dollars in the first six months of 2023. That figure yeah. was a clear billion dollars, almost to the penny, actually larger than the $11.99 billion that the big three generated in revenue in the same period of 2022. That
1: is very impressive. It and is. it also means, oh yes, that the three majors combined generated an average of approximately $72 million per day in the first half of the year. That's roughly
0: $3 million per hour. I love how they break that down. <laughs> God, that's a lot of money. <laughs> And remember, Jay. Do you remember the early 2000s when the music business was just, just drowning, just, just terrible? And here we are talking about these fabulous numbers. Uh, it goes on to say below we dig deeper into what each of the three major music companies generated in revenues across four separate categories uh, here in 2023. So number one, of course, is recorded music plus. plus I can't even say it. Plus. Publishing, etc. This brings together all recorded music revenue streams for the majors with music publishing revenues plus ancillary revenues from operations such as merch and concert ticketing. Uh, so a lot of stuff kind of gets smooshed into that. We also have just music publishing, as you'd expect, all revenue attributed to music publishing in the quarter. And we also have recorded music. As you'd expect, all revenues attributed to recorded music by each company in the quarter, including merch, which is strange that gets looped in with that. And then recorded music streaming. Uh, Revenues attributed to streaming within the recorded music operation of each company in the quarter. And that figure includes both ad-funded and subscription streaming revenue. So those are all the buckets that they kind of tabulate. That's right. So
1: let's let's grab the first Mm -hmm. one. Recorded music and publishing, as mentioned. In terms of global revenue streams, and this is leaving out Sony's visual media uh, and platform, across music publishing, recorded music, and quote unquote other, the three majors collectively brushed the $13 billion mark in the first half of 2023. Universal Music Group grew its reported uh, half year revenues by $400 million year over year in the first half of 2023, up. Over five and a half billion dollars.
0: Yeah. Are they dancing in the halls over there in Santa Monica? I think so. They must be. Sony grew its total music revenues by four hundred and forty eight million dollars year over year in the first half of this year to four point four seven billion dollars. And Warner's, which had a bit of a soft calendar Q1 in 2023, uh, but a significantly stronger uh, calendar Q2, grew by $155 million year over year, hitting $2.96 billion so far. Yeah. And that's not insignificant. For the, yeah, for the first half of the year. That is
1: really impressive on all of those. Um, music publishing, talk about that for a second. Um, they had improved streaming rates in the United States. Yep. That helped. All three publishing divisions, they saw significant growth for uh, the first half of the year compared to the first half of this year. Sony's music publishing operation, um, that topped $1 billion in the first half of the year. Um, that was up $95 million or 10% wow. year over year versus the amount it generated in the first period, the uh, first half of 2020. That's it, massive. So, And then coming in a close second, is Universal Music Publishing Group, and that generated $961 million in the first half of this year. (laughs)
0: God, crazy numbers. Uh, and then when you talk about Warner Chapel music, uh, they hit $540 million in revenue in the period. That represented a $65 million year-over-year increase, uh, and, and that's up 13.7% year-over-year. So again, a lot of good year, Good dancing. news. Yeah.
1: Yeah, good news all around for all of them. And let's jump into recorded music. And again, you mentioned earlier, this includes merch. Uh, that's weird. Okay, but recorded <laughs> music, all right. Yeah, uh, Universal Music Group generated $4.61 billion in recorded music revenues, plus merch, in the first half of this year. That figure was up $366 million year on year. Is it just me, or is
0: this... Impressive. Gosh darn it. I wish I was still there, Universal. The bonuses this year are going to be epic. Uh, Sony's global recorded music operation. Again, including Merch, reported uh, this, this year, uh, th- uh, this, this first half this year, $3.42 billion, up by approximately $352 million versus the same period in 2022. And lastly, but not leastly, Warner Music Group's recorded music division generated $2.43 billion, $89 million more than it generated in the prior year period. Yeah, Mike, but you know what they say.
1: A million dollars here, a million dollars there. Pretty soon, you're talking real money, right? right? Um, And then I think the last part of this is really streaming Mm -hmm. um, uh, under recorded music. And it's always interesting to drill down into those recorded music numbers and just look at the fastest growing part of the record industry streaming collectively. The major music companies saw year over year growth in joint recorded music streaming revenues of get this four hundred and eighty-four million dollars just in the first half of this year. Yeah. Uh, up a combined total of nearly
0: seven billion dollars. Crazy. Universal music group generated forty-three percent of that figure, it's a little under three billion in recorded music streaming wow. revenues. Sony generated two point three three billion. Up 250 million year over year, and Warner Music Group generated 1.6 billion in recorded music streaming revenues, up by 46 million year over year. And I, I still, when I see these numbers, we've mentioned this more than a few times on the on the show. Uh, You know, Warner's and uh, and Universal. The studios, when they own those music companies, they couldn't wait to throw them out the window and just get rid of the business because it was just tanking. And now you see this, and you wonder if people over yeah. there and at it, it, the Warner Brothers Studios or Universal Studios is going, damn, what were we thinking? We should have hung on to them. Yeah, yeah, but remember,
1: you and I were working at major record companies during those times, mm-hmm. and we remember when the MP3 just devastated uh, the music industry, things like LimeWire and Napster and Grokster and all of those things. And then, you know, even when iTunes basically came in and Steve Jobs really helped save the industry, although there are those that would argue it wasn't always uh, the best path. Um, but, you know, there that's when people could just pick off tracks. Yeah. And, and that was a different era, too. A lot less revenue uh, than when we were used to in that CD era. And it's interesting with streaming, there's, there's a lot more revenue to go around. There are those that want to see how the payment process or the economics of streaming. We'd, they'd like to see that change and evolve and, and, it's just like every week we're, we're evolving and changing. It's such a dynamic space right now. Yes,
0: it certainly is. But boy, when you look at those numbers and the health of the business, it's hard not to kind of put a smile on your face. But again, like you were saying, you know, if you're an artist, it, it may or may not be working out for you like it was in, in a previous era. So, uh, yeah. it's, it, it kind of depends, uh, what, what your perspective is and where you sit in that, uh, in that ecosystem, but let's yeah. jump in. But it's good news, it's right? It's good news, though.
1: Before we jump in, yeah. just really quickly, I had one last thing I wanted sure. to say about this, and that is that if you want to dig deeper, we, we've given you sort of this really great story from Tim Ingham, Music Business Worldwide, mm-hmm. some really cool coverage, but if you want to dig a little bit deeper, um, check out the uh, the Billboard um, newsletter, The Ledger, oh, by yes. our friend Glenn Peoples. Yes. It came out Friday. Well, that was August 11th. It comes out every Friday. And... He really digs into um, all of this stuff, and I highly recommend it. Whenever I start looking at these earnings calls and these results, nobody jumps in there deeper than Glenn Peoples and
0: Tim Ingham. So we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Oh, yeah. And my eyes just glass over whenever all these numbers start coming out. I just go, where, where are we? And those guys are on it and they speak that they language. It makes sense of it, right? It makes sense to them. And it does. Sometimes it makes sense to me. Sometimes it doesn't. But I just, I can't focus on it for a long time where those guys are just like, they just drill down. They are, they are yeah. asking questions. They are understanding it. So without them, yeah, I would, I'd be lost. Yeah. Lost. And Glenn's really good at looking at all those
1: numbers and then telling you what they mean. Yes. You know, is this good? Yeah. And if it is good, is it
0: Maybe really good, good or, or, yes. or sort of good? Yes. And yeah. Super great. And, sorry, go. no. I was just gonna say let's let's jump into our second story now. Uh, but that's all true, and and thank you for mentioning that. Of course, uh, this is from AI music. What uh, what musicians need to know? I'm sorry, it's not from. A- this is AI music. What musicians need to know? This is in a Berkeley School of Music yes uh, article. It's from Berkeley Online. Mm-hmm.
1: It was written by Talia Smith Muller. And it really caught our attention because, you know, AI is sort of a hot topic right now, but there's so much to learn about it and so much to not be afraid of. And, and I'll kick it off just by um, talking about, uh, who was it? It was uh, Christopher Ware's, the assistant chair of music business management at Berklee College of Music. He said, some of my students love AI mm-hmm. and they're already using it in a number of different ways, while others want nothing to do with it he said that there's a lot of heated debate in conversations and I try to encourage my students to embrace this technology and find new ways to use it to enhance their creative process. I thought that was really
0: smart. Yeah. And by the way, if you don't know the, the, the Berkeley we're talking about is not UC Berkeley here on the West coast. This is Berkeley college of music in Boston, Berkeley L E E at the end, not L E Y. And, uh, it yeah. is, it is amongst the best, professional music schools in the world. It's fantastic. So, but they do kind of go into just they just start with what is AI music? And they said before we're defining what AI music entails, let's first define artificial intelligence. And this is Ware's definition. He said, artificial intelligence is like the brain power of a computer. It's the technology that allows machines to mimic human thinking or behavior, such as problem solving, learning, or recognizing patterns. In the context of music, AI technology has reached the point where it can generate, compose, and enhance musical content that has previously been performed by humans. AI music, this is interesting, can take many forms and types of assistance from generating generating an entire song from start to finish, to writing specific aspects of a composition, to mixing and mastering a production, to voice cloning, and more. So it's, it is kind of a really, it's a lot, it's a of, lot of stuff. Absolutely. And people call it different things too. Like uh, Apple,
1: I notice, calls AI machine learning mm-hmm. and some people call it generative AI, depending on what they're talking about. But there are also copyright implications, yes. right? One of the most heated debates now is with AI in the music industry is around who makes money off of work that is created using AI, especially if the algorithm is trained using existing copyrighted material. And you and I talk about that. It, AI doesn't create something out of nothing. It uses a body of someone's work to generate something, and that's key, right?
0: You and I have talked about this quite a bit, which is you know, oftentimes the technology comes first, and then kind of the back office stuff in terms of how do you, how do you basically. Uh, a, a basically pay the people that that in many cases created the things with which the generative is is taking in in terms of using that as a as the as the information it needs to to create something new. Um, So it's early days and this is not not dissimilar to when sampling really and, and, and hip hop world kind of really kind of figured out how it needed to be. And so, you know, it, it is It is early days for this. They go on to say, legally, AI music is still in a gray area. And it raises the question of whether there can be a, com- a compromise where artists are credited, compensated and consenting to having their work or likeness used for AI without limiting the potential for musical creativity using AI technology. To a certain extent, art is derivative of other art. And in this current moment, it's blurry. What is inspiration and what is stealing? Some record companies are starting to fight back. So,
1: yeah, Yeah. super. I thought that was perfect. Really well put. And just adding really quickly, in, in May of this year, Universal Music Group urged streaming services to block the use of AI-generated music, claiming that it's using their artist's music to train Mm -hmm. its algorithm, right? And that they would take legal action if needed. Spotify responded by taking down uh, 7% of AI-generated music on its platform, which equates to tens of thousands of songs. So... That sort of leads us into that, uh, you know, that Drake and The Weeknd thing we've been talking
0: about. Yeah, exactly. It says, while there isn't much legal precedent for voice cloning, for celebrities it could fall under their right to publicity as a violation of appropriating their likeness, name, and voice. One of the key examples from the past year was when a TikToker who goes by the name of Ghost Rider used AI to create a fake duet between Drake and The Weeknd titled Heart on My Sleeve. The song was taken down, but there are still versions floating around the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of
1: ethical issues. You know, you and I were talking about that AI rapper FN Meka. Mm-hmm. You know, remember that guy who was like a, you know, cartoonish kind yeah. of figure that rapped and there was all this controversy because it wasn't created by people of color. You know, copyright is just one of those many ethical issues associated with AI. And it's important to remember that this technology and its evolution doesn't come without those types of consequences. You know, it's one of the main concerns is garbage in, garbage out.
0: Yes, exactly. Without a doubt. The, uh, these folks go on to say, if we train these language models or these image generators or these music generators on data that is inherently biased, inherently racist, then whatever we ask for is going to perpetrate those stereotypes. We need to make... We need to make sure that we've got good data going in, and that we're monitoring it. And yeah, you know, yeah. it's just—and I can think back to, again. You know, the the whatever tools are necessary to identify this stuff. I mean, it's 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 a very complex issue to, uh, yeah, and that's coming fast and furious. So,
1: it really is. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, sort of on this Berkeley Online piece, which we highly recommend, it's really great. They list some of the AI tools, mm-hmm. and one of them is one we just talked BandLab. about with. Uh, yeah, BandLab Song Starter, which we hear rave reviews about. Um, there's another one called Mid Journey. One's called Mix Monolith. And then, of course, Lander, L-A-N-D-R, mm-hmm. for AI mastering. So it's not all nefarious, you know. Um, I think you can do a lot of great things with Chat GPT. Yeah. Um, um, my friend Mike... Mike Warner, who you know from uh, Work Hard, Playlist Hard, he sent me over this uh, Mike GPT instead of chat GPT. (laughs) It was Mike GPT, and it drew from his body of work so people could ask it questions and he could answer. And I want to do that with uh, your
0: morning coffee, so I begged Mike to show me how to do that. Oh, nice. But again, you know, and a lot of this stuff, too, is, is... uh, like chat BG, chat gbt there's a lot of things that are incorrect on the internet you know and i don't know if you've noticed that jay but everything on the internet is not true and wait if it's in print it's got to be true one right think, one would think but apparently not <laughs> so uh you know when you when you're using chat gbt if it's if it's for sort of like a you know like a term paper or, or some sort of, you know, document, I mean, there are just f- false things that, that it can pull from. And so you really got to go back and look, I mean, it's just, it's not perfect yet. And there's a lot, No, of things it's going definitely on.
1: not perfect. And it only goes through 2021. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there'll be new tools coming that will be more robust, but it's still an amazing tool. I use it all the time.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, And, and you know, again, the, the best case scenario, at least for me, is what are, you know, we talked about not enough hours in the day to watch all the great documentaries out there. If there are ways that I can be more efficient in my day using AI, guess what? I'm going to be happily using it. Um, yeah. Just a tool, just a tool. There you go, just a tool. Yeah, well, let's go over to our last story, Jay, from Billboard State of the Hot 100 Top 10 Mid Year 2023 report.
1: Uh, I love these reports from Billboard. This one's written by Gary Trust, and it's really just a look at the latest trends in Billboard's top 10. And it's really it's analyzed by this uh, the site that I really love called Hit Songs Deconstructed. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend that you go over and check out the website Hit Songs Deconstructed. And
0: um, this is. Uh, As analyzed by that site. Right. And here are the three takeaways from that site. Latest in-depth research. Uh, And the first one is country remains tied with pop. In the first six months of 2023, country and pop music remain tied as the most common primary genres in the Hot 100's top 10, each contributing to 23% of all top 10 hits. Country and pop shared the lead in Q1 2023 at 26% each so interesting yeah. and, and did you see that chart that they put
1: in there it you can tell at a glance it lists pop country dance club electric uh B, soul latin and hip-hop and it has this chart over since like 2019 uh through the first half of 2023 and you can clearly see that pop is dropping each year yeah, right yeah. you look at country it's growing You know, it's really interesting to sort of kind of just glance at these different genres. The one that really jumped out at me was hip hop, which was, you know, fairly stable. And then just in the last year um, went from like 38 percent of the market to 14 percent. Yeah.
0: Interesting. And then also interesting is that Latin tied hip hop in the first half of 2023 with 14 percent share of all top uh, all, all hot 100 top 10. So we've talked a lot on the show about the rise of Latin music and yeah, we here do. it is popping up again.
1: Yeah. And uh, one of the key, key takeaways, it's easy for you to say, country helps bring back guitars. And I had this conversation, I know you and I have talked about this too. It just seems like in a lot of popular music, guitars have sort of disappeared. And then I think, you know, Olivia Rodrigo brought in a track a while back that had some really cool guitars, but Hit Songs Deconstructed, that website I told you about, it talks about the rise of guitars in the Hot 100's top, you know, first half of 2023. Guitars, both electric and acoustic, rose to their highest levels since 2014 and over a decade, respectively, in the chart's top 10 in that span, according to the mid year recap. While this is largely due to an influx of country hits in the top 10, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, guitar was notably
0: used in hits from other genres as well, so it's it's been a good trend. Yeah, absolutely. They also talked about acoustic drums tripled in prominence over 2022 to just under one fifth of songs, its highest level since 2015. Hit songs deconstructed notes of the instrument's presence in the Hot 100's top 10 from January through June, uh, and you know it, it's a, it's amazing they can tell the difference between acoustic drums and yeah. drum machines, which to my ears sound almost imperceptible. So uh, good on them for figuring that out. Yeah. And then the last one was about,
1: and I've read a little bit about this key changes mm-hmm. in, in music and it's, it's becoming rarer and rarer. but um, as they point out in this article, as country and pop outperformed hip hop in the hot 100s top bracket, that top 10, you know, with major tonality increased to just over half of the songs in the first half of 2023 Surpassing minor key songs for the first time since 2014. Yeah, so you're talking major versus minor key songs. Major. Keyed- Explain that because you play you play piano. I play a
0: little bit of guitar. Explain what a like a major compared to a minor. Well, minors minor chords and minor keys tend to have a, a sad sound. That's probably the best way. Whereas major key yeah. songs tend to be kind of happy and. You know, you like, you like the resolution of major major key chords oftentimes. It says major keyed, hot 100 top tens in the first six months of 2023 squeaked past those primarily in a minor key, 51% to 49%. Minor key top tens had won handily in recent years, including in 2022, where it was 58% to 39% of major key. 2021, 59%. Uh, and 2020, 60%. 60%. In 2019, 55%. So back historically, a lot of minor keyed songs. And they say uh, outside the hip-hop genre, major keys were slightly more common. uh, While within hip-hop, minor has always been uh, in the majority for over a decade and accounted for 80% of songs in the first half of the year. So really fascinating, this stuff. I mean, I just love this minutia.
1: You know what? I? When I read that kind of sub-headline, I misunderstood because it says key change a major development. I thought they were going to talk about these songs that have a key change because I was reading this article recently that that's becoming rarer and rarer. And it used to be actually very common in popular music to modulate or to have a key change. Uh And that's what I thought, you know, that's why I mentioned it like that. They're really talking about just major keys versus minor keys. And you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, a major key is, you know, that's rock and roll. And uh, the minor key, that's going to make you cry. There you go. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And on that note, we need to wrap up the show. I know Jay and I both feel the same way, which is, hey, we appreciate you listening to the podcast every week because we never take that for granted. So big thanks for that. We also want to thank our sponsors, the people that help us really get it going and get it on the air. That's Bandzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. If you do enjoy the show, Jay and I would really appreciate it if you just told one friend, and uh, and if you don't, then Jay's coming over to your house, and you don't want that to happen. Coming, I'm coming after yeah, you. Yeah, he's coming after you. So on that note, we do want to say thanks. And of course, we have to acknowledge the passing of Robbie Robertson, the great Robbie Robertson, from the band, really, really a great loss. And uh, I got to spend an afternoon with him one day about 10 years ago for a radio special, and he was nothing but charming and... We're both such big fans and uh, we're gonna take you out with a song from the band and uh, say so long to the great Robbie Robinson.